spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label. Hi, it's Andian from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis. To date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can even do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Hey guys, Andy N, Spoken Label, back in the house. Sunday afternoon, it's freezing. So that's all I'm going to say. We've got a, a dear, dear friend with me today. And we've got a fantastic Steve Pottinger. And I, we just talked about it, Steve, weren't we? How many years ago was it we first met? Uh, it's too many. <laughs> too many. I had it's more hair. Many. It's a long I had time. more hair than I've got now. And I think oh, yours did. And you probably I know you did definitely. So yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's kudos to John, my friend Jeff, Jeff Armour. We met I met you through Qatar Anniversary, did a headline spot for us over in Telsey, I think it was. And that was Yeah. I can't think how long ago that was. Yeah, if I thought few... about it, I've got somewhere a list. Of, of all the gigs I've done. I didn't start it at the beginning, but I did start fairly soon after. Awesome. And I'd be able to find it, I think. Yeah, well, we don't worry about that, right? So <laughs> it's going to, it's just going to age the power of us anyway. So now, Steve itself has got an extensive publishing history, an extensive performing career, and does so, so much more. So I always ask people, Steve, to give people a little bit of introduction to yourself. But I don't even know where to start with you. <laughs> you've, done, you've been around for a while, and you've done so much stuff. So... Mm. What, just tell us briefly a little bit about yourself, and we'll do it that way. Uh, okay, well, um, I think when I started doing poetry, um, like performing poetry, <clears throat> there wasn't the structure that there is now. Um, and I fell into it. I I, there were, I always feel there's a lot of, of sort of lucky accidents along the way if you get into doing this kind of thing. <clears throat> and... Um, and I had a whole series of lucky accidents. I was living in Leeds. Um, I was twiddling my thumbs. I had nothing much to do. And there was a thing called Leeds Poetry Group uh, that, adver that advertised in, a, in an alternative newspaper. This is how long ago it was. Um, and they met in a pub at the bottom of the street. And I thought, well, I've got no excuse. And I never shared the fact I wrote poetry with anybody. It was like a, a little shameful secret you know, that you were just like, no, but if I say that, you're just going to be ostracized. And I went down to this event and it was literally four people sitting around a table with a pint each in one of the back rooms of the pub. And um, I listened 
and then they said, do you want to read a poem? And I shared a poem. And this is going way back, you know, it wasn't going to be the best thing in the world. And I genuinely thought they'd turn around and go, sling your hook, mate. That's that's disgusting. Don't you dare ever call yourself a poet. And all that happened was they went, all right, carried on drinking their pint. And that got me into it. And I found they gave me a couple of opportunities to get up behind the mic. I found I really loved it. I was, as we always, as we all are at that time in your life, I was I was relatively young and arrogant and thought that I was <laughs> doing the best poetry there's ever been in the history of poetry ever. Um, and, yeah, I just kept going. And, and really, really, it's that connection that you get when you perform. The connection with an audience is the thing for me. It's when maybe somebody comes up after and goes, um, I don't like poetry, but that was all right. You know, and you're like, yes. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you completely, mate, with it. So, like I said, people so far, we've known each other a long time, me and you, Steve. And as that's, I'm like that myself when my story was identical to yours, really. First mm. place I read it, it was two men and his dog. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. As long as there's... the dog likes the poem, you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. So, now, like I said to you, there's a lot I could talk about your background, Steve, today. But I want to really today talk about your new book, mm -hmm. which, as of recording, is not out yet, but it is imminently. So, mm. so now... I thought this was a tremendous book. It really was. So I want to talk about, first of all, then, where did the title Snapshots from the Fall of Home come from? It, it took a while to get there, I'll be honest. Um, mm. I knew I knew what I wanted in the book, and I knew a lot of the poems that were going to go in. I mean, there were some changes right up till, <clears throat> until it fairly close to it going off to the printers, but largely I was there, and I was thinking, right, Back when I first started, I never used to think about, is there a theme for this book? What's the overarching, you know, narrative? You just put a book out because, blimey, why well, wouldn't you? And it's only recently, in the way that poetry and spoken word has developed, that I've watched and gone, yeah, yeah, okay, you need to be a bit more, put a bit more thought into this, the same way as you would with poems. And I was, I had about, I went through a list of of things which were a bit crass and a bit obvious and then i thought well what i've got here really in my mind with the poems is they're all they're all snapshots they're all looking at moments some are personal some are joyous some are angry um but it's trying to say that in in the world we live in there's horrors and there's also little bits there's things that are good as well and it's that mixture of of, of beauty and ugliness and, and hope and fury and despair, everything's all in there. And I wanted to just pick bits out. And I th and the first poem in the book, actually, came from um, a photo that someone had put up on social oh. media of a group of us from when we were mm. back, you know, back when we were really young. And there's that thing of seeing yourself 30 35 years on and go, Lord. <laughs> I've got photographs uh, like that, yeah, 20 years ago yeah. in that case. Yeah, I know you do. Oh, wow. And, and so suddenly I was like, well, there's a photo. And some of the others, because I I tend to write quite visually, they felt like little snapshots. Here, I'm inviting you into this little, here's a two-minute video or whatever. Um, and, and that gave me the key. And then it was like, well, yeah, what else? Well, snapshots from the fall of home, because I think... I think the world I'm living in now is not the world that I was either led to believe we'd be living in in 2024 or um, or anything like as hopeful as the world that I was in back at the time when, you know, that photo was taken that someone shared on photo me social media. So, um, and that kind of, yeah. I found it, and I, I ran it past a couple of people. I went, what do you think? Does that work? And they went, yeah. That's yeah, it. I think it does, definitely. And I think it's great for the book itself, because the book, you're right, the book is a, it's a very much a story told book to me in poems. Mm. And I loved it. I could really see some of these pieces. That's why I, I wrote no, notes down on the good few of these I want to ask you about. But okay. before we get onto that, I know, obviously, with the book itself, people see from the beginning of the book, a lot of this stuff, 
a good part of the book has been published in magazines and stuff. Mm. When did you realise this was going to be the book? Um, I think it was in the autumn. I was like, yeah, it's about, about two and a half. It'd been two and a half years since I last put a book out and I'd, it had sold and been reprinted and it was down to the last few copies. And I was like, I'm, whenever, it's probably the same for everybody. You create a book, you, you put a book together, you go out, you sell it, and everything's fresh and new and wonderful and you think it's great. And then two years down the line, you're like, mm, yeah, okay, I could have done better. There's things I could change. If I'm doing another one, I would, I would, would, it would be a step forward. And that's where I'd got to. And that made me go, okay. And I had, I felt I had sufficient poems that I, I thought was strong and had something to say to make a book that didn't, there would be a minimum of pages where you go, well, he put that one in as a filler, you know. Um, <laughs> so that was where I was. No, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. it's. I think it's a good point because I, I think I've done a number of books myself and not your level. But every book I write is a reaction to the previous book. And I think yeah. I can see from what you get out of that straight away now. We've already I was going to ask you about the first poem actually in the book anyway, next. But when what made you want to start that poem off? Obviously, this this photograph with friends as the first poem in the book. Because I I think it's great. I think it's a great way to start setting your voice up for the book. Uh, thanks. Uh, it, it's it's an odd one, isn't it? Because for me, it was kind of like on the one hand, it's it's not throwaway, but it's quite a simple poem. Yeah, but on the definitely. other hand, it it seemed to me it set it set everything up because it had the hopefulness of youth, and then the fact that things have changed. You know, there are people who I remember from back at that time who are no longer with us. There are people whose lives have gone brilliantly and swimmingly, and there are other people who who it's just. It's gone bad. Um, and all of us undoubtedly have had times in our lives where, you know, highs and lows, rough patches, missteps, whatever it is. And it just set it up to go, there's all of that. But, yeah, I've still got that memory of the good time. I still remember those people and how how hopeful we were. And innocent as well, really. really? And I guess you know when it comes at the start, that's going to get... <laughs> I think it's what you term as the it's almost the happy poem before you drag it into the gringe and the dirt. <laughs> yeah, I think possibly what I've one thing I'm I'm really like about this book at the minute is I thought there's a mixture in here of that works more coherently the range of poems and the range of voices <clears throat> with regard to saying I'm, I mean I've never been afraid from shying away from from serious stuff or political sort of matters. And I'm not in this book either. But equally, I think I've learned through bettering my craft and through being exposed to the poems that other people have written. You know, sometimes you just read stuff and you go, That's, that is absolute genius. Um, and it's 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 made me grow and improve as a poet. And so there's perhaps a <clears throat> the stuff that I probably wouldn't have been able to write even as recently as, I don't know, five or six years ago. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, I think you're right because I'm always a believer in writing. You've always got to be moving forward anyway in everything mm. you do. Because if you stand still, I think that's when you've got a problem as a writer. And that's why I thought this book's it's backwards but forwards. I mean, you've done it very, very skillfully indeed with it. So now I love the nostalgia that, well, the nostalgia and the biting commentary that came on the following poem, Love Song, actually, because I yeah. I'm going to be I'm interested. I would perhaps, I'm not going to directly ask you where it was set. It could be one of a number of places, but it certainly made me think of because I grew up in Stretford in South Manchester, right. and and that's now a ghost town with the shopping mall. They're trying to do it all up again because the mm -hmm. Stratford Centre got built in the late nineties that yep. killed it, and that's what I was thinking about when I was looking about what this love song is. Because every time you get a, a casual hard celebrity turning up there, you see him in say going in stupid places, and that's why I made me think of that straight away. So, mm. but tell us about the story behind Love Song then. Well, 
I think there was a long, quite a long period of kind of gestation for that poem. In the, um, I'm I'm now living back in the town I grew up in, right? Which is a place that if you'd have asked me <clears throat> twelve years, ten, twelve years ago, if I'd ever end up here, I would go, "You must be joking! It'll never happen." Yeah, you yeah, you probably put an F I'm, word before that as well, probably as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably would have, and. Um, I didn't expect to end up here and, and just for lots of different reasons, things happened and I am. And I think like there's a lot of people in the country. We grow up in these, these towns that are perhaps they've been abandoned by industry. They are the butt of everybody's jokes. Um, people sneer at them and you know, turn their noses up at them. And that, in turn, because of the, the lack of investment... Sorry, I'm going off and quite deep on this. I don't um, mind. Of, I don't mind. Yeah, <laughs> lack of investment and the lack of jobs and the lack of opportunity, um, it, it makes them... This, it makes them rich pickings for uh, people like, you know, Farage and um, all that kind of demagoguery of the right. And, but I live, when you live there, you realize there's a lot more to it than that. You know, I, I live here, it's lovely. People are great. I mean, yeah. like everywhere, great. it's got its share of folks that you go, really. But, but there's some wonderful people. The humor's great. The, the kind of sense of community is still here. But equally, there's a lot of petty crime. There's a lot of uh, people struggling to get by. There's homelessness. There's a lot of, there's a lot of drugs. Um, and I wanted to write about that in a way that didn't just hit you over the head with, um, it's rubbish here, and this is why it's rubbish, you know, because that's dull. And I can't think what it was. It was just looking at what people go, why would you want to be there? And I'm like, well, yeah, we haven't got this. We don't get coach loads of tourists. We haven't got great views. You know, there isn't there isn't a palace. There isn't a football stadium, you know, and on and on like that. And so it kind of, I think, I hope it sets it up one way, but then those last couple of lines say, yeah, you know. And I think there's going to be, I hope, when I go around gigging with it, there'll be people who go, yeah, yeah, that sounds like where I'm from. Yeah, because most of us are from places like that. We are, yeah. It's, and that's why I want to talk about the next piece, actually. What I want to talk about is when, and I've just realised I've not got the title down this next one, the one about your markets. So I've not got the title down for that. I apologise. Oh, in praise of the hardiness <laughs> of market yeah. trading. I've just realised yeah. I didn't write it down that one. Yeah, <laughs> but um, where I grew up, actually, I grew up in Stratford, it's on the borderlands <laughs> of Elmston, and they used <laughs> to have a big market there. That's gone now. And yeah. I was, I could really relate to that piece because I grew up in the market all the time with my mum and dad. They used yeah. to take me there. My mum actually, um, would you believe, when this South Times changed, she used to go and do occasionally, you couldn't cut it, it cost much to do, go and do homemade scones selling them on the stall. And we, me and my sister used right. to drag them at like nine and ten. And it's like, yeah, it, yeah. That piece really hit me hard because of that. Because it was, it was hard. It's a hard job being a market seller. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, you know, it's on the, on the, Sunny summer days. I mean, there's not many. First of all, the market here is way smaller than it was. There's, it's on three days a week, and there's probably one of them where there's kind of a dozen stalls, whereas yeah. when I was a kid, it was all the way up and down the marketplace. Yeah, exactly. Um, when we were you know, and that's, that's the same everywhere. But it was uh, basically there's a, a place that does, you know, pet food and, and bird food and all the rest of it. And I used to go along, and this woman was lovely. And then I went one time, she went, no, I've had it. I'm getting a proper job. And I, what can you say? It's five o'clock in the morning on a Feb, like this time of year, you're freezing your bits off. Yeah. And and you're going to, what are you going to make, you know? Oops. And, and she yeah. gave up. But then this this other woman's come in and she's equally lovely. Um, and it was it was just... I mean, there's that element within the book of wanting to sing the praises as well of of people who don't normally get recognised or have their praises sung. 
yeah. you know there's a yeah. whole the last vestiges perhaps of that older world and that older working class world as well yeah i think yeah. you're dead right it's i think we're both at the stage generation where we can remember this mm. when you start going to like the next generation they wouldn't have had yeah. these experiences it'd be a very different world when they get to our age and it's yeah. Is that if there's a fear made that people will forgotten what we come from? Mm. Yeah. That's why I think that yeah. part of a great piece. And I also really enjoyed the and this poem because I don't you wouldn't have known this when we met originally. I, I'm just left last year working with the civil service act. I've been working in the back office of a court for eleven years, so that piece okay. really hit me hard. It did. It showed I mean the way the government looks down on people sometimes. And I thought to do the job I used to do. I met a few of the ministers, and some are still which in power. And I'll tell you a funny story about one of them off mic, because I'm not going to get sued for saying this on camera. <laughs> Excellent. I, I love those kind of ones. Yeah, it's a good one to sell. That's what I'm saying. I'll tell you off mic. It's not been recorded. Right, okay. but yeah, but you're right. If it is, it's okay. What I really enjoyed about this piece was put it, the rhythm was really structured, really tight in it. Your poems always are, Steve. But I love the fact that this one was all the standards were three lines. Apart mm. from the last line where you, you broke your, your, your rhythm. Was that on purpose? Yeah. Um, hang on, I'm going to have to... <laughs> I'll have to open the book. Because things like, things like that, I'm like... Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is where it takes me forever to find it. Oh, the Polsky Sklep, is it? No. Um, oh, hang on. I've not got I've not got it open myself, actually. I'll just wrote and this and it's about the one about the government ministers. Ah, no, I know. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um yeah, it's using the spacing. So I know where I've got to go, I think. No, I don't. <laughs> it's oh, typical. God. Oh, it's it's the perks. It's you typical catch, you that whenever Ah, <clears throat> oh, no, I'm I'm there, I'm there. I've found the one that I know follows it. Tell you. Uh, no, that the fact it was four lines that wasn't particularly. It was more just the 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 sort of the spacing of oh, the three lines right. beforehand were, and that one it was just like, no, I've got four lines, nothing yeah. more in it. <laughs> yeah, I think poems are like that sometimes. They are when it's like they got minds on their own, haven't they? You're thinking, mm. right, I will get this all in three lines per stanza, and the last stanza come like, no, you won't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's something else that's come with, you know, I mean, I'll still go, I'll go along to poetry workshops and I'll listen to other poets and learn from other poets. And I think it it took me, I mean, part of the learning of a craft of being a poet, apart from the performance side, if you do performance, it's just learning to, you've got to find out what shape the poem wants to be. You know, the number of times that I'm sure you'll have done the same. You start off and you go, right, this poem is doing this. And you'll get into it and you'll go, no, we're not. We're off this way. Yes. And and it takes you off somewhere else entirely. And it's it's just trusting that and not trying to just keep hitting it into the right, well, the shape you want with a hammer, you know. Oh, yeah, completely, yeah. That's a bugger. Poems are buggers. They're usually the best yeah. ones are the ones that don't behave and don't do what you want them to do. I found that experience. Yeah. Now, I, I was interested in your quite experimental piece, actually, here, plodding on. We've put the here right. in brackets. Yeah. And I want to learn a bit more about where the uh, the content, content is pretty self-explanatory to me in this one. But I was very interested in learning what made you want to do it this way, putting the here in brackets to begin the summer lines. <laughs> and then we've got also the italics coming into the piece as well. Yeah, the, what it was, I mean, it... This happens quite a bit with my poems. This this came out of a meeting with the woman in the story. I was sitting having a coffee, and she came along in a motorised wheelchair with a dog, and came. Can I share your table? I was like, yeah. And that was it. Conversation ensued, and um, one of those wonderful. It, it sometimes happens, you know, where you meet a stranger and they tell you so much about their lives and you they go and you're like how the how did that just happen how is it 20 minutes ago i, would, I didn't know that woman from a hole in the ground and now 
she has the confession to a stranger kind of thing that goes on. Um, and also I was in a place that I, a town that I don't know well. So viewing the town with fresh eyes, as well as seeing some similarities to where I am. Um, and the putting the here in brackets, I started off, I wrote it just here. And mm. then I thought, well, no, because it, I want, by putting it in brackets, my conceit was, and I don't know, I hope it worked, was the idea that in the same way as with the, the love song, it, it, it represents a lot of places. You know, this the town I was in and the woman's situation, I, I don't think are by any means unique. So I wanted, almost like you're going, you can replace this here, insert the name of any town, stroke, village, wherever that you that you know that fits where you know the, the hands had fallen off the clock in the shopping center you know uh, and the italics in there was um which you asked about that was this phrase that she just used you know she told me all this stuff and you'd think and then she just go yeah but we plod on don't we yeah, and i'd be like from, yeah, yeah. Wow. We do, we do plod on. You're right, and that that <clears throat> that stoicism and that stubbornness to continue and to continue to have the generosity of heart as well that she had after all the things that had happened um, that really struck me. Yeah, and no, again, I wanted therefore to commemorate, so, like celebrate that kind of response to the difficulties of life. Yeah, it's very British, that piece of me. Well, that's why I really liked it, John, as yourself. But that's why the, the next piece I want to ask you about, this is the one that you caught me out on, I'll be honest with you, because I, I know when we had a good talk last night, I saw you in person some years ago, we did, this was back in the days I used to drink beer. Please, you know, this, this was a few years ago. But like, it was like, when you um, one of your poems is mentioned to Carl, William Carlos Williams, which I, I love William Carlos Williams. He's one of my favourite American poets. And I was uh -huh. just like, oh, oh, whoa, I thought. So when did you first get into William Carlos Williams then? Um, I can't, when you say get into, I know I know a few. One being the poem which I've, you know, as people do, it's almost like doing, doing that a, a pastiche of, you know, I have eaten is... Um, it's become almost like a, a kind of social media poetry meme. And it was just at the time when I wrote it. I would, it sometimes when you're so absolutely furious about what is going on, about the deliberate taking of wrong steps because they will be profitable steps and everything else can go hang. Sometimes if that, if you're really infuriated by it as I am and, and was when I wrote the poem, it's very, it's, it's way too easy just to do a really furious rant that makes you feel better. It's great draft. You know what I mean? It's like, write it great. Yeah. And then perhaps set it to one side because we're all, we're all kind of trying to manage a level of frustration and hopelessness at some elements of what's going on, I think. I'm sure it isn't just me. And sometimes hearing it given you again is just, you're like, no, I can't. I can't deal with that. Um, whereas William Carlos Williams' poem, just it just lent itself perfectly. Yeah, it does. You know? this. I know the poem it's on, and it, yeah, I'm a big fan of Carlos Williams' work, and yeah, people wonder the piece we're talking about is just to say 2023, an oil executive holds forth, and yeah, no, it does, it's absolutely superb, and it's, it was, it was the one poem in the book that it caught me out in a good way, right? So, so that's that's, yeah. that's really interesting. I mean, it's one of for me also, it's one of those cases where sometimes less is more, yeah. you know, it's because that's only a really small poem, and it's dead yeah. simple. Which makes it great to kind of yeah. use for your and and use as raw material, but yeah. um, but it said everything I needed to say. Nice, no, a cracking piece, really, is Steve. Now, 
the last piece I want to talk about you here today is is when you get sneaky at the end of the book. <laughs> now, should we tell people about what sneaky trick you pulled off at the end of the book? Or um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't feel that it's, uh, it's not like it's a spoiler alert. No. Um, no, I mean all it is is I don't know when I, which book I started doing this, but I thought you know what you read you get to the end of a book and you say everything you've got to say, and then sometimes I, I think I just had a couple of spare pages the one time, and I thought, well, why leave them blank? Yeah. So I just it was like, hey, here's your bonus, and um, and that what I liked about doing it this time, I think I've. For me, and I hope it worked, it was kind of like a bookend to the piece. Yeah, I got that. I saw it straight away. And I thought it was a yeah. great way of fitting rapid, bringing everything full circle straight away. And I loved like, the fact yeah. of what you did at the end of it. And I thought, <laughs> you sneaky git. And I thought, I loved it. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. I love it when you go, I wonder if anybody's going to pick up on this. And, people, and, and you have. So yeah. even if nobody else does, Andy, I'm, I'm a happy man there. I bet you will be, mate. Right, well... We'll, we'll, we'll do the wrap-up questions, a couple of wrap-up questions to wrap up this part, Steve, anyway. Okay. I want to give you time to read a few pieces out of the second half for us. Now, um, I know you've got a number of gigs lined up for yeah. certainly coming up into February and beyond, haven't you? So tell people what gigs you've got coming up, first of all, then. Um, so I've, I've been... Because obviously you've got a book, you want to try and get out and promote it. And um, so currently, where are we going off to? There's quite a few gigs up north. I mean... Um, I'll have been in, in Manchester by the time this comes out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm annoyed uh, at all. I can't do that one either, John. It's typical, really. But... Uh, right, okay. It, it happens. Yeah, yeah. It's the one thing, isn't it? Where, you know, you go, great, everybody will be able to come along, yeah. and then they go, actually, that really that doesn't work. Um, but I'm going quite a lot of gigs up north. Huddersfield, Wakefield, um, going to Shrewsbury, Worcester. There's more. There's about seven or eight gigs that I've got lined up at the moment, and I'm still looking to do more. I've got um, there's a couple more that we're we're looking at sorting um, in the next few days as well. But I just I just love getting out and gigging. I mean, because as I said earlier on, it's that it's that connection with people. It's that chance. The great thing about poetry, as we all know, is it's it's your chance to say what you want in the way you want to say it. And that doesn't mean you don't learn from other people or you shouldn't be open to other influences, but, you know, it's your unique voice. And the strength of poetry is that it allows people to, to do that and to go and have a night where I get the chance to do that. But also quite often I go along and, um, and can be amazed by what other people do. I mean, yeah. we were, I was in Doncaster a couple of days ago. It was a lovely night in Doncaster. And there was just some cracking poetry. Really, really good that you're like, last time I was there was four years ago. I've, that's four years on. I'm, I'm seeing some of the same people there and getting the chance to hear what they've been doing and how their, um, their work has progressed and what they've got to say. And it's just, it's glorious. No, I definitely might agree with you on that one. Um, do you have any more creative projects lined up you want to can reveal next? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not necessarily talking about books, projects. Are you the no, projects? I, no, I'll be I'll be busy with this book for a while. I mean, I'm part of um, a little collective down here um, called Poets, Prattlers, and Pandemonialists. Is that um, you, Emma, and Dave? Is it? That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. wasn't sure if that's still active. I was going to ask you about that today. So you can ask, no, tell we us are, about them. Um, we're very much active. I mean, we put on poetry nights. We basically we met up. This is when I came back here, and I met. They knew each other, and I met them separately. And then we all three went for a pint, which turned into several pints because that's as how it, we were. At as time. it does, yeah. And um, <laughs> and we we just we just got on and and had very. Um, we're, we're all keen for something more to be happening in in the sort of poetry spoken word arts scene in our area. And so we set up Poets, Prattlers and Pandemonialists. Um, and we we put on we put on monthly nights, which are still online because we had a great venue, but it closed. Um, 
We do an open mic regularly at Arena Theatre in Wolverhampton. Um, we, we've done two spoken word theatre shows and, and taken them around, um, which has been great. Uh, we're, we're heavily involved in Wolves Lit Fest as well. <clears throat> so we're looking after the, the fringe room and writers groups um, because, well, it, it, it's, it's what I said already about, you know, everybody's distinct voice and the, the roar of the grease paint. We just love all of that. So um, that's what we do. Sounds good. Sounds good to me, mate. Sounds good to me. So, right, okay, we'll do the hard sell now, right? As I was joking to you before in this one, the wrap-up part one, mate. Right. Where are people best getting your book from, first of all? Um, it's it's coming out officially in mid-February uh, or late February, and it will then be available in all the usual places. It's got an ISBN, but the best place to get it always, and it's true for any any other poet who is out there flogging their wares is direct from me at a gig or um, from the publishers, which is ignitebooks.co.uk. Um, and it's simple enough to do that. And it's as cheap you as cheap as it would be if you go through huge, uh, allegedly tax-evading multinationals. Yeah, we won't name names there, right? But... Obviously, where are people best getting hold of yourself then? Say they want to book you for a gig. Oh, I've I've got um I've got a website, stevepottinger.co.uk. And on that there are um every now and then I write a blog. There's the details generally of gigs that I've got in the forthcoming next few weeks that I update every month. Um there's links to quite a lot of the videos I've got on YouTube. Um yeah. All the sounds, usual stuff you'd expect someone to have on their website, really. Sounds good to me, mate. So sounds good to me. It's a cracking website as well. So I was on it before. So right. Anyway, guys and girls, we will wrap up part one here. So I want to give Steve plenty of time to read out some poems in his book. It's been a pleasure, mate. I can't believe it's probably been about, about 10 years since the last time I spoke to you, actually. That's embarrassing. <laughs> it's annoying. it's sad, isn't it? And yeah. shocking. I mean, I just go, where did those years disappear? I know. Next I still, in speak- my head, I'm still like about 25. So I don't understand how it can happen. I'm 25 with the 18, mate. That's all I'm going to say, right? <laughs> or is it, in my case, it's 25, 25 mentally, physically, 125. It feels some days getting up nowadays. So. <laughs> right, guys, girls, we will see you all in two shakes of the dice. Spoken, mate. Hey, guys, I'm Deanne, the amazing Steve Bottinger. I'm just going to shut up shop now, straight over to Steve. Go for it, my friend. Cheers, Andy. Um, all right. Well, we talked about it in the first half, the, the opening book, uh, poem in the book. So it, it seemed like a good place to start. Um, give you a taste of, of what the book's like. So this poem is, this is the book, by the way. There you go. Um, this poem is This Photo with Friends. Must have been taken in summer. We're where paths meet in a park, looking unbelievably young. Fresh-faced, taut skin, bouncing. And we're laughing as we take it in turns to push each other around in a shopping trolley we've found somewhere and wouldn't dream of thinking of returning. Here is my first tattoo. Here, my anarcho-crusty mullet haircut. Here, the pair of ragged combats I spent an afternoon dying black and cut to just above the knee. Here, the flatness of my stomach. Here, the espadrilles on my feet, which will forever smell of late lost nights and wet rope. We're so young, all of us, so full of hope. None of us have stumbled into dead-end jobs or dead-end relationships. None of us have woken to be told of a shadow on lung, liver, bowel, the need to telescope plans to the immediate. None of us are addicts yet, and none of us have died. The sun is shining. We have a shopping trolley. I can hear us laughing. 
even now. Oh, the memories of that piece, Steve, are phenomenal because it was like, it's like for me when you're playing that back then, it's like you were saying my life in, in different contexts. And I think it's a lot of people's lives when you do, you talk about memories like in those sort of pieces like that, it's it's how everybody thinks about it, thinking, yeah, that's my life too. Mm. The people yeah. that and were in your life and not sometimes, yeah. Yeah, and also, I mean, I look back and I just think, I look at this, the photos now and I go, geez, I was still a kid. Now, if you'd have said that to me then, I would have been furious because I knew everything, do you know what I mean? And I was going to change the world and the world was going to be different. How could you understand? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree, mate. So <clears throat> it is, but I think that's part of the, person, the natural progression of growing up anyway. You mm. get to the stage, like you think you're 18, the world's your oyster, but you find yeah. out it's not. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I was just turning through to find another poem, and this is one. Mm. Um, this is this is something. Again, sometimes I always say to people that you know, sometimes you have to, you'll have an idea for a poem, and you try and do it, and it's like pulling teeth, and it's really hard work, and you have to graft at it, and whatever. And every now and then, something just happens. And you're only, it feels like, I know there's more to it than that, but it feels like your only job is actually to start the pen moving and let it go and it'll stop when it's ready. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, if, if something happens in front of you and this happened in front of me and um, I hope the poem kind of gives you an idea of, of what went on. It's called The Library Staff Deal With Another Inquiry. Gary would like to know the names of the 12 apostles. He's here in the library asking for a book about the 12 apostles. Any book, a kid's one will do. Just a book with the names of the 12 apostles, Jesus's 12 apostles and what they did. I mean, what did they do for a living, Gary asks. There was one who was a fisherman, right? But the rest of them, what did they do? Is there a book on it? He thought... The library would have a book, a book on the 12 apostles, their names and what they stood for. They must have stood for something. Is there a book? There should be a book. Gary would like a book. So, yeah, that one. Great stuff. No, it's, yeah, I see me with that piece straight away with that because if you said the context and it feels like it's somewhat just jumps out of you sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And also it was like there's that awareness that, I mean, I was working in a library that day and that, I mean, you know, libraries are having a tough time at the minute anyway because austerity budget cuts, you know, and they're the obvious, one of the obvious full guys. But also they're more than just a place where people get books. You know, they're often, <clears throat> they're part dropping centre, part kind of um, mental health sort of, safe space as well you know um and it's just yeah they, they, they're they're precious things and uh and also library staff sometimes have the patience of saints i'll be quite honest um so i said snapshots from the fall of, Rome, of home is the book and the, the, a lot of them are moments and snapshots and this is for this poem i'm going to take you down to my local um, I have changed the name of it for the purposes of the poem. But um, I've taken, I'm taking you down to my local, which on this particular day, at this particular time, um, there were probably a lot of other pubs in the country in the same situation. Um, <clears throat> and again, well, here you go. I hope you enjoy it. It's called Crown and Scepter, Friday, 9th of September, 4.15. And Niall is telling the barmaid he's going to ring the lawyer. He is. He's going to ring the lawyer as she nods and smiles and nods and smiles and pauses because it's doing his head in. It's doing his bastard head in. And yeah, go on. He'd like another bud. And he prowls like a tiger in a water pub where all the screens are set to sports channels. But there's no sports to show. 
and Shane and Mark pop in for a quick one to wash the Junction 10 dust from the back of their throats. And the quick one will be four or five at least, as Shane and Mark and the barmaid all know. And she smiles and pours and smiles and smiles and pours. And they have a regular wage and high vis. You can see them both from space and the screens are set to horse racing. But there's no horse race. And the lads who drank at the Eagle until the Eagle closed are at the table in the corner so they can see who comes and goes. And the barmaid pours their lager, pours their lager, pours their lager. And they offer her again a grin. And the sports channels say, no football. And yeah, that means that this week you can't lose. It doesn't mean you ever win. And they're all bucket hats and swagger and they're ready to take flight. And one of them is a mouth that's guaranteed to lead his fists into a fight. And the barmaid keeps an eye on them. And they think she could be flirting, but she's smiling, pouring, nodding. And she thinks she's almost certain that laughter's not offensive. Kicking a ball is nothing wrong. And channels made for sport should have some sport on. And the men who last had jobs when there were factories in this town who have a Friday evening pint as if the work was still around and the plasterers and painters and the plumbers and the drivers and the blokes who have a market stall, the shift workers and skivers are all in here for the crack. A pint. Perhaps, who knows, the short. And the barmaid smiles and nods and smiles and nods and smiles and nods and pours in this backwater pub on a Friday where sports channels don't show sport. Oh, that ending of that, Steve, is majestic, that one. Because you look at pubs and stuff nowadays to keep more self going. Like, it's, I can't name any pubs that don't have sports on, certainly not my way, and I bet you can't talk your way either. No, and I remember there was, back when I was still living up in Leeds, there was... Um, well, one of the pubs we really loved, and it didn't, at that point, I think it had a jukebox, but it was before everybody was showing sports, and they had a new landlord, and he was like, I'm bringing in, a, uh, bringing in a big screen, and we're going to put sports on. And we were furious. And I got a poem about the idea that we might just slash the screen to ribbons, you know, because it was stopping people talking. And, and now, go in, and the screen's everywhere. And that, oh. and that last poem, I mean, the reason there was no... It was just, it was the day the Queen died and everything stopped. But people were still out. The pub was still full of people having a pint. Nobody was sitting there weeping into their beer. But you'd got somebody whose job was normally to commentate on horse racing, having to somehow link the fact the 4.15 at Ascot wasn't happening to, um, I don't know, Her Majesty's passion for horses. And it was it was all a bit, Yeah. Anyway, that's where the poem came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, there's a pub up my way, and we're getting XP's ready. It's just shut, actually. And the landlord had an interesting philosophy, and it, it didn't work, because I don't, I don't, where he didn't want TV on, didn't want to serve meals. And if people came along, started putting the mobile out of the pocket, messing around with the mobile and the phones, he would regularly leave the pub. Wow. Yeah, the pub, the pub shot didn't last, but he's, <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know, I mean? Daniel's doing that nowadays. That's just your work. <laughs> oh, blimey. Um, oh, I'll tell you what I'm going to, I'll do for the last one. Because mm. um, you, if you've been listening to this, folks, you've probably noticed a bit of a theme, which is that I, I write very much in response to the world around me. If there are poets who write brilliantly about, if you like, what goes on inside their heads and, and their identity and their relationship with themselves and other people. And I, that's not something I do. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, the interesting things aren't me. They're, they're what's out there. They're, they're people around me, their nature. It's just all, the richness of life. You know, I can't wait to get out there and, and be in it. Um, and I find that far more interesting than me. And that's not casting any shade on people who write that. It's just it's not my writing so this poem is another one which um basically i've been into birmingham to go and meet some mates and have a few pints of an afternoon largely celebrating the fact that my leg was out of plaster and i was back in a protective boot and could go into birmingham and have a few pints and um i was waiting for the tram back to wolverhampton and all of this happened um and I just, yeah, 
It's what it's one of my favourite poems. <laughs> no, I shouldn't have favourites. Don't. I hope they weren't listening. But this was one. <laughs> so, seven nineteen in the evening, and the boy outside New Street Station is singing a lament for us all. He sings for the puffer jacket kids, clothed and camouflaged in swagger. He sings for the electric bike takeaway riders who crisscross the city, silent and determined their two-wheel spinning gig economy. He sings for the husk of a lad who totters tram tracks like a ballerina trailing a sleeping bag, who is going nowhere good in his own slow time and is lost to us. He sings for young couples, still in love, touching hands and clasping ready meals, heading back to city apartments to share each other's dreams. He sings for football fans and figures folded in the shadow of doorways. He sings for shift workers, their aching backs, their fallen arches. He sings for the quiet conversation of women on their way to clean offices. He sings for the, is this? Isn't this flirtation of friends? He sings for our mistakes, our wrong turnings, our missed opportunities, the bright future that slipped through our fingers, the better world that disappeared. He sings. And his voice, pure and soft, a gift, spirals out to join satellites and stars, seeking nothing but the joy of its own being. An offering to God, if God is listening. And I think we should all be crying here. We should all of us be crying. It's 7.19 in the evening and the boy outside New Street Station sings. There you go. Tremendous stuff indeed, Steve. That was a great way. I, you've done made the right judgment call, I think, there, finishing off when you did there. But that's the sort of piece where I couldn't have what I'd hoped ask you to do another one after that, mate. You know, tremendous stuff, mate. So. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Really, I've really enjoyed doing this. Yeah, it's been great. It's been great fun having you on as well, mate. Central. Oh, well, brilliant. I always tell people, and I will tell you definitely the same again, mate. When the next book's ready, Give me no joke, eh? Definitely. Oh, God, love, absolutely. Love yeah, to yeah. have you on again, mate. Like I said, spoke a label ain't going anywhere, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. Doing, not a I've been doing this for eight years now when I've done over 400 sessions, so I don't think it's going anywhere. Yet, That's so. good going. Well, um, when, after this, drop me an email and give us your address and I'll fire a copy over oh, to you, all right? Yes, yes, please, mate. And I'll do I'll do your review on Goodreads and then Amazon, definitely, as soon as I've got it, mate. My pleasure. Right. We'll yes. wrap up this point anyway, guys and girls. Can be and Mr. Pottinger, you're going to carry on chatting for a bit longer anyway. So it's been a pleasure, Steve, mate. It's way been great. too long. Thank you so much. Indeed. Way too long last we spoke, mate. So, right, guys, girls, that's it for today. Thank you again, Steve. Now, as Don Callis over at AW Wrestling says, stay safe and stay over. We'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.